Hey guys, sitting in a cafe, so plenty of background noise for you. So this community means a whole lot to me, but unlike all my other platforms on video and written word, the one challenge with audio is there's no feedback loop, right? And so because of that, I really want to use Twitter as a place for me to get better feedback and engage better with this audience. And so if there's anything on the podcast that stood out, if you have any questions, if there's anything that I can ever help you with, hashtag Gary V. Gary V audio, so a lot more feedback, a lot more conversation. Just want to get deeper into the trenches with this community. Thanks for listening. This is the Gary V audio experience. In today's podcast, we wanted to bring you guys some extended scenes from today's Daily V, which drops at 1.37 p.m. on Gary's YouTube channel. In this first clip, we're showing you an extended version of the Q&A between Gary and Kevin, Mr. Wonderful O'Leary from Shark Tank. And, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs here, a lot of people starting their own businesses, and they're just talking about, you know, some of the things, what they can do to prepare for the future, um, you know, just to stay ahead of their game, and also just what are some of the challenges that you've been, I know you've been through a lot, challenges that made you who you are. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, that'd be great. Hey, hey, all up up there. Yeah. Some of us paid 1400 1500 bucks to see these great men. I'm so sorry that I'm short. Fuck. <laughs> I'll, st- I'll stand on my tippy toes. You're welcome, brother. I hear you. <laughs> I will definitely stand. Kevin, go ahead. You can start. So that's a good question. The good? key about entrepreneurship to understand is it's not a destination. It's a journey. It is not easy. It never is. The get rich quick and a week stories are never true. Very long. Uh, it really falls out of one thing as far as I'm concerned. How much sacrifice are you willing to take for gain in the long run? And it is a sacrifice. That means, no, you're not going to the base, you know, basketball game and you're not going to make it on the weekends to the picnics. You have to work so hard because you're not competing globally. There's some guy in, in China that wants to kick your ass no matter what you're doing or in India, and you have to compete, and, and it's hard. But is it worth it? Of course, of course it is. And if you're thinking about doing it, you gotta go full time, and it is a beast. It will, it will, it will consume you, and you will love it. I, I think to build on that, and it was kind of the theme that I, I just got off stage, is to do all that, I think the part that I just can't get over, you know, it's funny when you, I hate, uh, not, I don't hate it, I always struggle with the question of, you know, adversity or, or struggles because when you genuinely love it, when you genuinely love it, the struggles are really exciting. Like, uh, when I was building my dad's liquor store, we lost the right to ship to Texas, which was $5 million in revenue on a $40 million business, and that was devastating to us, and we were the only store being picked on because I was building the fastest internet company, and in wine and liquor, it's state-by-state regulated, and they can kind of play in that variable. That was heartbreaking to me. It was devastating for a small business that had no capital, but in a weird way, I get, you know what, I'll paint a picture. There's always that scene in a movie, I don't know which movie, but I'm sure you've seen this cliche scene where somebody gets punched in the face 
and the person's trying to knock them out and the person takes the punch and they're bleeding and then they kind of like taste the blood and they kind of weirdly like it and they look back at the other guy or gal and that person knows they're fucked. That's how I think about entrepreneurship. Like, <laughs> I genuinely like getting beat. I like losing because I think I deserve it because the one thing that I love about entrepreneurship and capitalism is the merit of it. And I think it, you know, if you can't be into the journey part and, and if your game of being worth it is the money you get and the stuff you buy with it, it's highly unlikely you're gonna be able to put in the effort versus somebody who actually genuinely loves it, which is why the internet allowing you to do stuff around things you like is a very important framework. Gary, I have one question for you. What are your thoughts on the New York Jets draft picks last night? <laughs> Uh, I love the pick. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I just tweeted it. The kid we picked, uh, Quinn and Williams, was doing an interview yesterday. He sneezes during the interview. He says, God bless you to himself, and then thanks himself for saying, God bless you. That's when I knew we picked the right guy. Good question, man. I'm trying to start off. Thank you. Thank you. A uh, quick question. So I'm trying to start a marketing agency. I'm already working on it. See, through what you went through, if you go back into like, uh, like yep. 20 years ago, what would you do differently? Or like, what can you do, you know, like? I got it. Like, so help somebody like me. Start the number off. one thing that I think you should consider is to work for free. It's the number one thing that I think people with no leverage need to do a lot more. And a lot of people give you advice of not doing stuff for free because you need to know your worth. But to me, the market decides your worth. And if nobody knows who you are, and nobody cares to work with you, I did an enormous amount of free work for Pepsi, for Gillette. That's what built the foundation of VaynerMedia. So my number one advice for you is to do free work and use that success to leverage more. companies, but for free. For free. I mean, you should ask to get paid, but if you get 8,000, I love when people get 8,000 no's and then aren't willing to work for free. The market told you. Like people are like, yo, but my, my service is worth something. No, it's not. <laughs> Until people consistently pay for that service at that price, it's not worth, what, because you and your mom decided? <laughs> free. Do you also recommend getting testimonials from them at least? What's that? Testimonials? Of course, but the results, you'll always get testimonials if you actually execute. Thank you. Kev, any thoughts on that? You covered that one. So, Kevin, the question for you is: the, with the market being on such a great run, it's at an all-time high. How do you? I know you're not Nostradamus, but how do you predict the next 12 months? We've been on a bull market for 11 months. Where do you? Where are you yeah, hedging your bets? We're in the longest bull market in history now, but we also uh, should realize the reason that this could continue is that. We have never, in the last 20 years, deregulated our economy the way it's being deregulated and unshackled now. Um, a lot of people don't talk about the state, municipal, and federal regulations that are being peeled away from small business where the majority of jobs are created in America. And so whether you like the president or you don't, uh, it's kind of irrelevant because the policy that is being put in place by this um, administration is so pro-business uh, in a way that we never had before. And so it's very hard to understand what would slow this cycle down. We're, we're probably in the seventh inning here, but if we get a Chinese trade deal and rates stay low and we continue to deregulate and corporate taxes, which are now um, finally kicking in at a lower rate, 
this could go on for a significantly longer period of time than anybody could even imagine. Uh, there's no more powerful economy than the American economy, but it's just been shackled with some really bad managers for the last 20 years. Uh, administrations that were punitive to business that are no longer punitive, so you can just see it manifests itself where the number one producer of, or the fastest growing producer of oil in the world right now. We used to actually regulate ourselves away from making energy like we were idiots or something. Now, now we're free to do it, and look what's happening. It's, it's an extraordinary reversal. This is, a, a, this is a golden time to be an entrepreneur. It's a golden time to get out there and get it going, but you'll never get a better time than this. Gary, your take. The, um, you know, macroeconomics are just not necessarily, I don't like to talk about things I don't know, and so, and, and I'm, you know, I don't know if it's a seventh inning or fifth, and it's very hard for anybody to know that. The one thing I would say about this is when you're not experienced or you're over ideological or you think you're remarkably gonna time it, you can become vulnerable. The one thing I would say about this is whether it's another 12 months or 12 years, always being thoughtful of not being so disproportionately leveraged that when the shit hits the fan, you can't recover from it or it takes you a long time to recover from it. And so finding that right balance of being on the offense but having some level of stability, nest egg, like, I, I just, I, I'm very passionate about that. I love the idea knowing that every one of my businesses that are substantial could go to zero and it doesn't cripple me because there's a little bit of a cash nest egg which gets my financial advisors upset because they're like, you need to be on the offense with this. That for me is peace of mind and allows me to build, you know, to me, the time to really make money is when shit hits the fan. And so just just the thought of like, don't get too high on your own supply when the economy's so good that you get so over leveraged that it takes you to zero. Here. 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 So what's the best What was that part? $700. <laughs> $700 from Social Security each month. Okay. So what's the best way to save for emergencies and emergencies? Like what should I do? Because I have no money right now. Kevin? <laughs> you know, um, you're very young, so first of all, congratulations. That's extraordinary. But um, basically, during your lifetime, which is going to be a long one, if you just bought the cheapest index fund of all the stocks, like the SPY it's called, which is an ETF, and you just never sold it over the next, you said you had 12, how much did you do, 2,000? 4,000. 4,000. Oh, 14,000? Well, fuck, when you're getting 700 a month. <laughs> that, that would grow at about, over the next, uh, 30 years, 40 years, about seven, six to seven percent a year, you could almost retire on that if you just never spent it. But that's, it's a remarkable thing to have that much money at your age. It's incredible. Do not waste that opportunity. So just, you know, buy an ETF like SPY. It's every stock in the market. And watch what happens. For, for me, I think high, I, I, I'm a big believer in higher risk when you have less to lose. So for me, I think that this is a great time for you to 
do what makes you happy with it. So for example, this is gonna be very left field, but if you've been following me for the last two weeks, it may be less. I'm weirdly fascinated that the sports card industry is about to explode again, like the late 80s. And so one thing you could do with your $14,000 is buy a shitload of LeBron rookies, right? And then flip it later on. Or you could go to a very low income neighborhood that you think will turn in the next two decades and buy a piece of property or go with a very high risk stock that you love so much, whether it's Netflix or Snap or what have you. To me, when you have so much time, you know, I, I, and this is kind of back to what I said on stage, which is I give advice that I did. For me, and though a lot of things didn't work out, for me it was more interesting in my 20s to be disproportionately high risk with my investments because I thought I had a lot more years to be conservative and I always thought that I would be an earner. So you've gotta make it, for everybody here, to make this an answer to everybody, not just you, you have to be self-aware of what drives you and what you like about it. Like, you know, if you, if you for example, if you love the idea of retiring at 65, the, the advice that Kevin gave is remarkable. I would, I would jump off a bridge if, at the thought of retiring at 65 and, and not doing anything and trying to live off that because it makes me happy to do. So I think self-awareness of what, but I think high risk at a young age is a very worthwhile debate. Plus there's a lot of learnings that you'll get from it, whether you win or lose with those bets, that I think could be quite valuable for you when you get much older in your early 20s. <laughs> In this next clip, it's a conversation between Gary and Caleb talking about how you can get started in sports cards for just $100. Enjoy. And these sports cards? Yeah. I, I saw your rich eyes in the area. Dude, and I saw some of the stuff you were Dude, around. I'm telling you right now, I'm not fooling around. I think it, I think, like I'm looking at both of you, like <laughs> I think anything, if you actually bought a certain couple things, I think it's like, one of the scariest guaranteed 50 to 100% uptick in value in 24 months completely liquid on eBay, things I've seen in a very long time. But you gotta move on that quick. Flip it's happening right now. Yeah. It's happening right now. You know? It's I bought, so I bought you. It's unbelievably doable. No, like if you if you don't have, like say you have under right, you don't 300, have a lot of, yeah. yeah. It's under 100. Even. No, no, that's, this is, this is like my whole fucking mantra of like garage selling and everything. Like, for example, if this conversation was happening in October, mm-hmm. I would have been like, Caleb, please buy two Giannis rookies. Mm-hmm. They're 170 bucks. Mm-hmm. They're going to go up. They're fucking 450 now. So you take that. Now you got 1000 Now you're sitting here today, and I'm like, okay, $1,000. Uh, what would be, like, my number one thing to do with the $1,000? Um, right this second, 1000 Probably Luca Don. I'd probably buy Lucas for fifty a piece. Buy twenty of them and sell them for seventy-five a piece in October when the season starts. Just it's just guaranteed. You might want to take a risk on Darnold. Baker's a hundred bucks base rookie. Darnold's forty, and like that just doesn't make any sense to me. And so if Darnold beats Baker on Monday Night Football in Week Two, I just think like the math can get to eighty real fast. It's it's crazy, and then and then if you have more money, the real thing to do is buy these basketball cards that are about to come out and try to pull. It's gambling. You can pull a fucking five thousand dollar Zion rookie card because hmm. it's all one of one, one of fifty patches, autos, like all the. It's it's really happening though. Like all these sneaker kids are getting into it. 
my generation's having has children now of the age that can collect. That's what happened to me and a lot of other people. It's really interesting you said that all the, all the stuff that we collected back then is, is worthless, or it just doesn't it doesn't have the value. What's that? All the cards that we used to collect. No value. Nothing. No value. You got to get them graded, and there's like not a lot of cards worth grading. I mean, let me rephrase. Were you smart enough to buy 86, 87 Fleer basketball? No. That's it. You know, that was what, that was the thing to buy. 87 tops. Every single kid, you know. In this final clip, Gary talks about the day one homie and what it means to manage those friendships when you're successful. Rappers come up with their day one homies. Filmmakers come up with their day one homies. You have a lot of people that you've been close to that are friends and family that work with you. How have you gone about accomplishing that? I think there's a lot of people that would like to do the same, but there's, I think, complexity to working with people that you're that close to. It's about expectations of day one homies. You know, I've, I've been successful with working, you know, it's funny, it's, when you're talking about day one homies, I remember thinking about Joe and Moose and a couple of my college friends who decided not to come to Wine Library after college, but they were invited. Brandon did come, he was high school. Um, uh, and then obviously Matt Sidimer and like AJ and all of AJ's friends for, uh, Wine Library and I, obviously when we go to the next chapters, there'll be a lot of people right now that people know, whether it's Andy Kay or Marcus or whoever it might be, um, Emily McDonough, whoever it might be. Um, so. I I'm, I really um, the thing that when you talk to athletes or rappers or you know anybody about day one homies it it plays into an interesting game because um, it goes completely in the my advice I'm about to give is a complete contradiction to um, put more positive people around you and cut out people who don't bring value. What is very cliche is that when you have a a, a star uh, an earner the engine the thing, there's always people around it that are day one that are so, were incredibly instrumental in being emotionally there and friends and, and maybe not even instrumental, a lot of times they're just serendipity, but now that we're here, think they believe, the, the people around the, the, the earner, the North Star, think they made it. Our guy or gal made it, now we're here. But for that person, the process has just begun. Got it? And what happens is a lot of friction. Um, and you have the cliche things that we've all seen in like TV shows and have heard stories of like the hanger honors and it's like ludicrous. But then there's the one that we don't talk about. The one that's like, you know, like, <laughs> the one that you see on sh- TV shows and movies is like cliche, right? Like laying around, just enjoying the life. You know, everybody watched Entourage. Like, you know, I think the, the, the person that is not talked about enough is actually your homie who's really trying, who just doesn't have the talent as the machine gets bigger, as that person gets bigger. And the dilemma for the North Star to keep putting that person on or not, the word, you know, nepotism can kick in. How do you bring in new blood to take you to that next level? You know, and and the thing that I've told a lot of in in the last year or two, obviously a lot of, um, a lot of famous people or cool people because of the Instagram dynamic which so many A-listers have reached out to me and I've built some of my own awareness and I've had a lot of intimate dinners and meetings. One thing, I, when I become friendly with somebody, 
after the first three or four meetings, you know, when, there's, when we're talking about real shit, I try to, some of them ask me about this exact question, I try to remind them and, and I tell them it's about expectations and how one values money. As long as you set expectations, I'd much rather say to my boy like, yo, Rick, hey Susan, like straight up I just don't think you can do the marketing for me anymore. You can't do my social media anymore. Like you're my homie but like you're not as good. Now, you've been with me from the get and I wanna keep paying you 100,000 a year. I'm gonna hire Susan now to do it because she's fucking a baller and I need to get this game up. Doesn't mean that you're the worst, it means it's just this for, I believe for this thing, it's just time for something else. A, what else do you wanna do? And, and my man, I got so much love for you, I'm fucking pumped to just put you on the salary and we're good. Now you may think that's fucked up and you don't wanna do nothing, that's cool. So tell me what else you wanna do. But this thing, my social, I gotta go hire Gary Vee now because it's time to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Got it? Yeah. That's how I handle shit. Because you accomplish both. You don't need to burn a bridge. Right. You just turn a bridge into a toll booth. That was a good one, that was a good one. Did you hear it? That's, that's what it is though, right? That's what it is. You don't need to burn a bridge with your friend that's been with you the whole way. Because that friend's like, oh, now that you're big time, how about when we were in the fucking hood and I had your back and I beat up those guys for you? Or how about when I got you those, you know, those girls or like, you know, or you know, that's the cliche alpha like homey thing. But if, but if, if they say that, aren't they always gonna have that? Yes, back, right? so it's which is why, which, which I think is why I tell the kind of alpha or the A or the one, I'm like, you need to decide if you're good with that. And, and for me, it's not about charity, it's about, cause that's the opposite of it, right? Then you're on charity, which is fine, but then the other person, that might fuck them up. Right. Like, like they actually always want to be part of it, but they don't want to feel like you're charity. They want to feel like being your bodyguard or doing your social is the thing. Right. That's all, and this is why it's very important, but like that's the response. This is the loneliness of being the fucking one. Everybody sees the selfies and the money and the fame and the good. This is the shit that goes on behind the scenes that's real as fuck. So no, it's just about over communicating. Communication and expectations. It's the theme of my life, right? And, and expectations are set through communication. If you're not talking, you're vulnerable. If you're talking, you got a prayer. If you're talking so much you get into practice about talking real shit, then you got a real shot. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.